0: The passage this morning comes from the book of John, and I will be reading from John 20 starting at verse 10 to John 21 up to and including verse 14. And these verses, uh, as Pastor Rick mentioned earlier, pertain to uh, Jesus appearing to his followers. which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told him that he had said these things to her. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may say, Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Afterward Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter called, uh, th- sorry, Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing.
1: In British military lore, there's a story that goes like this. Duke of Wellington was fighting for the crown on the European mainland. And when the battle was won, he ordered a blinker from the coast of France across the English Channel relaying this message. Wellington defeated the enemy. But back in those days, with the archaic ways of communication, in light of this thing called Blinker, which some of us might not even know what it is, it took a long time to convey these messages. You see, what happens in the story next sheds light a little as to why there's so much struggling going on in our passage with the disciples and with Mary, and with the others who now see Jesus resurrected, albeit they were given the insight of that this was going to happen following his death. Wellington defeated the enemy, was the message relayed with the blinker. But a fog closed in after the first two words. And with this kind of news ringing in their ears, the news of defeat, the nation panicked, stock markets crashed until three days later when the fog lifted and the full message got through. In our story today, something is very challenging amongst those called the characters in this story, namely Mary, the disciples, and other onlookers as time passes by, like the two guys on the road to Emmaus, who seem to have to play catch-up all the time, despite of what the news, the good news in the Scripture, was leading them to believe. I stop here for a moment and I have great compassion for the disciples because of how much they were supposed to catch on in light of what was going to happen. Much like I have such great compassion uh, every Christmas, every Advent, when I read parts of the Old Testament that prophesy that a king will be born and then all these Jews are supposed to catch on by what I only read in the New Testament... And catch on to what happened in that stable in Bethlehem. It's seemingly unfair for all these Jews to catch on, and so they stumble and and they feel defeated because they're not sure what to think and if they are supposed to continue to hope. Albeit there's an uprising of celebration because of this birth that took place, and there's tension in the air. Do I believe this or not? How deep do I believe this and On and on the conversations go. And the tension is there, much like the story that we are presented with, where first and foremost we find nobody in the grave. We know the story. We have much time to to settle on the words and thought and discuss and bring it into our Bible studies. But Mary, being the one that comes soon after those two disciples, is the one that's seemingly wondering what it is that she should be thinking. This is very real. Much like Anne said, which was half my sermon, (laughs) Mary seen and heard the voice of the gardener. But up until that point, if you read the text carefully, and it wasn't the whole story we heard today, but we can understand that Mary's time at the grave was her second moment there. She was there earlier, went back to the disciples, disciples come in, then Mary comes for a return visit to this grave in great wonder, in great disbelief. And as the two disciples run back, there's seemingly a lot of traffic, a lot of hysteria as to what is going on. There's panic. Or as in the Duke of Wellington's story, we are all in the fog. This is not how things work amongst the human race. People don't die and come alive again. What are we supposed to think? albeit the Scriptures laid it out as to what the hope was and what was to happen in regards to the the Son of Man, the Son of God. But Mary, much like many of us who revisit grave sites, and it's interesting because many people do revisit grave sites, and then there's a lot of people who never return to grave sites because of what goes in their minds. Great deal of pain. I'm one of the ones that goes back. A couple of brothers that have died. My parents have, have long gone. And, and basically I, I enjoy going back. I ponder and I think and I relate to Mary's second visit to this place. Albeit is extremely different because it's empty. The grave is empty. But she's distracted by the pain. Another way of saying she's in the fog in light of the good news of the gospel that we are to celebrate. Now what happens is Mary is the one that becomes the messenger to the disciples and then the disciples are the ones who become the messenger to, to, to Thomas and then so on and so forth as it passes on through the course of history. Mary's distraction is one thing. But the disciples also have a distraction because, as we read, they are in behind locked doors and they live in great fear. Well, not only does the pain and sorrow in our lives, as indicated through Mary's revisitation of an empty grave, take place in terms of the distractions from the resurrected Christ, even today, but fears, much like the disciples lived in, regardless of what they are, is a huge distraction to the great news that we are given from the resurrection of Christ but here we see them behind locked doors visibly afraid amongst all this good news they too having these distractions find themselves in that fog and then Thomas well this is something I can relate to I wasn't there guys he says to his fellow disciples i wasn't there like you were the first time i haven't seen jesus so unless i get to see him for myself do you hear yourself in that rhetoric do you hear yourself in those lines do you hear yourself breathing those words a little bit unless i get to see this unless i get to touch this smell that any of our senses will do Unless, 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 then and only then will my faith deepen. Then and only then will I believe. You got to see him, guys. I didn't. And then Jesus again for the second time appears behind locked doors for Thomas to see. And then unlike anybody else who was crucified on the cross and has those common scars from the day that criminals were regularly humiliated on such an ugly death, what Jesus had to show was pretty special. Just to help Thomas a little bit along, and that is his side that was also wounded. And showed that to Thomas and said, Go ahead, put your finger there if you must. But all these distractions, whether it's the pain or the fear or, well, you guys got to see the evidence and I didn't, these distractions sometimes all are very relevant to how we are kept from living in the beauty of the resurrection as to what it offers because we have a slight fog that seems to be getting the message only partway through. And as we continue to live out into the lives of those around us who have not seen or heard or perhaps have had the opportunity to know Christ ruined or dismantled, that we then need the full message and the full power and need to continue to move the fog away, remove the pains that burden us so that we can see the good news as the very pinnacle of the triumph, take away the fears so that we are not harbored from being a demonstration of this resurrection story and what it offers, nor do we keep ourselves from living out this beauty by saying that we have not seen enough evidence and that we then may not, no longer continue to live in the distractions, but live out of this beauty that the story has to offer. And then, as if that wasn't good enough, and you can read this, and Peter did... Excellent in reading this, uh, just the idea of it ending at chapter 20. Did you hear that? About how it could have just ended there? Why didn't we stop there? The way John laid out the text that Jesus did other miracles, you know, and it went on and on and on. But we don't have time for that. And as we read this out loud here this morning, it was just simply uh, a conclusion that there are many written so that people may believe in Jesus Christ. But then there's this whole other chapter where Jesus again appears in order for it to be reinforced that he has resurrected. And it has some of the beautiful stuff that, that we can carry on with in terms of how it goes back, like the charcoal fire, which we didn't read, that is the very... Time You will only hear of a charcoal fire that was lit amongst the time Peter uh, denied Jesus three times. There's all kinds of different uh, connections there. But the just of the story that we cannot deny in reading this long text this morning is that just when we thought it would end, Jesus said, I'm here back again on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, feeding you once more. Remember the good news. Remember I died and I am here again. And even though these disciples had seen Jesus before again, they seemingly become just as excited the second time, perhaps like they have forgotten. (laughs) And this is who we are to be, the people that are excited and continue to live in the excitement of seeing Jesus again put on flesh after having his flesh killed, spit upon, humiliated, it all be the pain that we see in Mary and the fear in the disciples and the disbelief in Thomas, we see what Jesus went through and yet he comes back to reinstate again and again and again this hope in order that we too put on the flesh we become incarnate and live out this glory amongst the people who are around us. Last uh, night, I uh, had a gathering of 25 people that were in our neighborhood. And as I was preparing this sermon, knowing I was coming here this morning, I, I began to think about how this plays in light of how people live, because amongst 25 neighbors, there's many people who who don't believe, and there's few of us who do. I know that amongst the people that met last night, we, I have a wonderful guy who's a lawyer that grew up Lutheran and actually uh, was uh, rebaptized. as much as that may not make very many people smile, into the emergent church back in the... Uh, about 10 20 years ago and he told me this story a couple years ago in which now he has no faith at all just destroyed his wife solid christian continues to pray he's at the meeting and then there is older people who have lived there and think they they uh, they have authority because they've lived there that long and then there's others who speak what we see represented in, in the message of Christ. Ones that speak of harmony instead of distortion, one that speaks of of unity instead of disunity, one that speaks of healing and and that doesn't speak of taking and breaking apart. But amongst the people that made up the characters of our place that we sat in last night as neighbors, I could see people at work trying to claim their victory just because of the hard work they did and how they need to be honored and that that fence should not go there. And I don't like the way you treat me. And these voices came out loud and then I could see others. and We were there three hours. And it was amazing how these conversations took place, which is maybe out of the ordinary for some, but in... All of life, I'm sure, whether it's with your neighbors or at work or amongst people who are just your friends or even family, that we are quite familiar with those types of conversations. But we should not then be distorted by pain or by the fear or because we didn't get enough, but that we should speak out of what we know is true even if we didn't get to see it enough which is exactly what Jesus said to all of us here today, including his disciples. Blessed are those who didn't see, yet believe who live out of the faith and the promises, even though their evidence that they desired and thirsted for so much is something that didn't get to where they wanted it to be. Yet they spoke with great peace. They breathed life into people instead of sucking it out. And they brought unity as best as they could instead of creating disunity. And it's out of that incarnation of Jesus Christ's resurrection story of bringing life to where there was once death is something that can never be meditated upon long enough. Is faith and hope killed in Mary? Is faith and hope killed in the disciples or in Thomas? Is there lasting peace? Is the breath of God that Jesus exhaled upon these disciples, did it work? How did it work? That initial measure of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gave to his disciples to try to ramp them up a little further, to get them out of the fog? How are we doing? Do we see Jesus enough in ourselves in others. Because he conquered both sin and death. It becomes a faithful presence in our lives. As he did with Mary and his disciples. And with Thomas. And the two guys on the road to Emmaus. And on and on and on. As he becomes a faithful presence amongst those who live right around us. Because of whom we believe in and how he works through us and others a faithful presence you see in a life where we look to make such an impact and make a difference in this world we see Jesus simply just showing up and being present and being faithful there's nothing riveting about the story except for the fact that it's based on the context of the resurrection, giving life where there's death. Jesus becomes present. And we are asked to do that as well. Especially in a world that's turning faster and faster and faster and faster, making our presence amongst those who do not know the Lord even more. Important, And even because you did not see me, yet you believed, may you be blessed. Or as we read in the passage that I found here in Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, though the fig tree does not bud and there's no grapes, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there's no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and enables me to go on the heights. I'd like to close with this short story. A small Norwegian vessel lays in an English port for several days. And one of those days happened to be Good Friday. The chief officer spurts out a careless comment to his captain saying, Should I put the flag up half-mast today, sir? Uh, The captain heard that question or that request without any context. But the captain was a Christian. That didn't come into play yet. But then the captain said, Why? To which the chief officer replied, Well, there are many people that say that Jesus died on this day. Well, says the captain, if that is something that many people believe, as a Christian, I know that Jesus rose. So if you're going to put the flag out at all, put it right to the top. We live in a world where we hear a story that revolutionized life because of the hope it gives. May our fears, the distractions, the pain never hold that flag down any lower than it should be raised in order for the world to know of Christ's presence in our lives, in our neighborhoods, in our work, and in our ways. Let's respond and sing together and ask the praise team to come forward. I don't know if they're planning to, but uh, is, yeah, they are. Uh, I believe in Jesus. And as we sing this, right, that's what we're, what we're doing, then we stand and we uh, check into our hearts as to who we are in our statement, our confession, and our way in which we live and breathe and, and find our lives. Let's stand and sing together.